to sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello and welcome to ACB Home, Garden, and Agriculture. I am Deborah, and my co-facilitator is Marge. Hi, Marge. Hi, Deborah. And we are very, very happy to have you with us today. We're going to be talking about gardening as people who are blind or have low vision. We're looking for your tips and ideas and also your questions. So, um, March and I will share a little bit about our gardening experience, and then we'll uh, open it up to hear from all of you. Uh, we are um, going to have a couple of interesting um, calls in the next couple of months. Next month, we will be focusing on chickens, and um, I am working on trying to get somebody in to uh, talk to us about bees. Uh, sometime this summer, uh, it looks like Susan Bell, the horticulturalist, will be back with us at some point, too. So we have some other interesting calls coming up. Uh, we generally talk on the second Saturday of each month at 5 Eastern time. And uh, if you want to reach me, it's acb.home.garden.com dot agriculture at gmail.com and uh, if you have uh, a topic you want to talk to us about on a future call if you want to be a featured guest please let me know so um, Marge uh, what's growing in your yard this week well my gosh I'm in Savannah Georgia and uh, we are into planting our hot weather crops right now uh, some things from winter still do remain a little bit but uh, mostly it's the spring and summer crops and oh gosh uh, some greens uh, tomatoes peppers eggplant will be in uh, a lettuce bed um, crookneck squash just went in today uh, sweet potatoes will grow in uh, the the um, snap beans are coming up and uh, planted basil and some scallions today. And uh, we are um, in an urban uh, lot here in Savannah. We do have a bit of space, but uh, my priority is to um, grow as much as I can of uh, what I want to eat. And so we eat from our garden um, every day, usually um, at least once a day. And there's fruits beyond all these vegetables and, and of course, herbs as well. So that's uh, there's a lot going on. It sounds like you're a little over a month ahead of me. I'm still doing uh, cold crops here, I mainly the greens. I, I'm trying something new this year i'm growing fava beans which oh, is actually a, a, yeah it's actually a cold it, it, once it gets hot they don't like it so i'm real curious to see how they do it's my first year to grow them they're 
they came up real nicely. We've had some pretty cold mornings, and they're, they're doing just fine. So um, we're going to talk, kind of focus on um, how we garden. And I know that we we don't all garden the same way. Even um, you and I are have talked a little bit, and and um, you have some techniques that work for you, and I have some that work for me, but. Um, could you give a few tips about how how you garden and as a person who is blind? Sure. Uh, starting at, at more of the, the big yard picture level, what I think is important is having fences and boundaries to things so that we know where we are and uh, we know... Uh, that we are where we want to be and uh, so we can do what we want to do. So here um, we have um, a couple of different garden plots that are fenced. Uh, One small herb bed I have that's about a foot and a half deep by um, eight feet deep is fenced. And um, you might think that's a bit strange, but that's actually for me so that I don't um, step in there and step on uh, plants that I um, want to be growing and not killing. So sometimes the fences are for me. Um, I also usually have a guide dog, so the fences are to keep her um, out. We also have uh, raised bed areas that um, are in the middle of the yard, uh, four by eight, four, four by eight beds that have a path in the middle and the path between them forms sort of a plus sign with these four beds in the four quadrants. Mm-hmm. And you could run into them quite easily. They're, they're kind of like coffee tables in a living room for a blind person. So um, I have to be aware of where I am to make sure that I don't Um, run into them but also um, what my husband has been able to do is put up a line that runs at about my hip level the length of these beds and that provides me with sort of a guideline and if I run that over 16 foot um, walkway um, next to one of those beds I have that line as a guide so I can walk a bit faster um, by, you know, in in using that. So I find that helpful for me. Um, I'm never using a cane in the yard. Um, You simply need both hands to do things. It doesn't make sense to even try to use a cane in the yard. So it's always based on what your feet are telling you and and trying to to not get too zoned out that uh, you lose track of where you are, which does happen. And you just walk until you run into something, hopefully not hard. And so that's I totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to just get sort of distracted and and then run Uh into something. And so um, that's something I do. Another piece is down to the level of planting. I will use um, one by two boards, uh, one inch by two inch that are of some length, or you could use garden stakes or a long small diameter pole um we're talking something that's you know maybe um i don't know depending on what area you need to use it for four feet seven feet eight feet uh possibly longer um 
but what that does for me is provide me with guidance um, when I want to plant a row of either a seed or a plant. And I will leave those in place at least for a while, uh, while things are coming up or while things are getting established so that I know where to water. I can feel where that board is or that stake and know how to water. And yeah, this is something you have to go and, and buy if you don't have them around, but then you always have it. I've used bamboo pieces. You could use an old retired white cane if you wanted to. You could use yardsticks that you glued together if you wanted to. Just anything that provides a straight edge for you. Today in my herb bed, I was putting in these scallions and they're very tiny um, and can easily get sort of lost. And so for my guidance, I actually had a ruler out there and I was moving it so that I could plant along the edge of that ruler. And I planted about two and a half rows of little scallions. And so it, it just... Um, I think is an essential for me is is having those things. I plant in rows at regular intervals. I'm not into trendy planting like spirals and beds of this and that for this and that color. Um, I don't care about that stuff. I care about being able to garden in a way that um, is satisfying and relatively easy to do for me. And so um, it's rows. Um, and regularity and boundaries that uh, that work for me. Um, another I would thing, definitely, I, I was just just going to say, I would definitely agree, especially the boundaries that you can feel with your feet; those are essential. They're yeah, really yeah. Any kind of you know a, a, a part of a sidewalk or bricks or paving stones or or something that forms a, a boundary, and you know down to the, the the smaller level. I want to talk about my knives, but this reminds me too that. Um, Having edges of things, um, rows, edges of a bed, the fence, is what you need in order to set your tools down, your garden uh, fork or your um, trowel that you're using. Um, you know, you can so easily lose track of where you set your tools and spend half your time looking for them. And this happens to sighted people, too. Um, certainly, they'll put something down somewhere and not remember and, you know, try to, to go figure out where it is. But we especially, you have to have a conscious moment of saying, I'm going to set this trowel down by this part of this fence so that when I next need it in 10 seconds, it'll be there for me to pick up. So it's very consciously just taking a second to say, I'm putting this here. And that here has to be a place with with some kind of a um, an edge, a marker, uh, something for you to recognize and, and go back to. <laughs> So. One one thing I I do because I'm terrible at losing things in my yard is I carry a little bucket with me and I I won't say I do it a hundred percent of the time because sometimes I get a little distracted but I try to put my tools in that bucket because but sometimes I lose the bucket if I'm yeah. not thinking I I lose track of the bucket and. Um, and you really do have to be conscious oh, yeah. about where you put stuff. Yeah, I, and even I was so. Working in, yeah, I was working in the yard a couple of weeks ago, and 
I, I, okay, I was really good. I put all my hand tools in my bucket and then I, I had to go do something. I was like, I cannot find that bucket anywhere. I ended up calling Ira to find my bucket. <laughs> but yeah, it is important to know, <laughs> keep track of your stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A friend of mine uses a small wagon that she um, yeah. rolls around with her um, in her spaces. And so things like that are, are always very, very helpful. And maybe maybe someday we'll have little beacons we can attach to something and... and uh, and give it a signal and have it tell us where it is, like our phones do. So, I I knew a, a lady who had trained her guide dog guide dog to go find her tools that she lost while gardening. Which um, that, that's a well trained dog. <laughs> Some of those tools are not fun for a dog to pick up. So, yeah. So oh, yeah, there definitely. are lots of different ways to mark your place and and um i i'm just wondering what do you think about seeing if anyone has um questions or tips for us sure are you okay with that okay um allison could you let everybody know how they can join the conversation Absolutely. So uh, if you want to, if you have a question or comment, uh, if you want to raise your hand, if you're on a PC, it's Alt-Y. On the Mac, it's Option-Y. And if you're on a smart device uh, from the app, it's the raised hand uh, option is under the More button, which is in the lower right-hand corner. Uh, from a standard telephone, raise hand is op excuse me, star nine, and to mute or unmute, if you're on a PC, it's Alt-A. On the Mac, Command-Shift-A. From the app on your smartphone or smart device, mute and unmute is in the lower left-hand corner. And from the phone, it's star six to mute or unmute. So that's it. All right. And do we have any hands raised, Allison? Uh, Don't see any yet. Deborah. Oh, wait. Okay. There, oh, so, I'm sorry. Here's one. We have one. Jewel has her hand raised. Mm-hmm. All right, Jewel. Hi. You were talking about uh, finding tools. There are suitcase locators that you can attach to anything to um, be able to locate things. Is that something you might be able to use? Yeah, that could probably that work is on a, a good bucket. Idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. So how, do, how does this suitcase indicator work how does that work so there are different ones um the one i used to use was a really simple one it was a keychain that you attached to your suitcase and then you used a whistle and it would set it off when you whistled um but there are also like higher tech ones these days that use um apps and um like key fobs that yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, and Jewel, I know that we were talking before we came on, and you said that you have started a Facebook group. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. Um, the Facebook group is called Blind and Vi Homesteaders, Farmers, and Gardeners. Uh, we have seven members so far, and I've already posted a bunch of resources about gardening w- when you're blind. Um, where to get find land. Um, there's an article about a totally blind woman who lives on a farm. Different resources, and every day I post something new. Hmm. Could you repeat and, the name of that, please? 
Yes, it's Blind and VI Homesteaders, Farmers, and Gardeners. Thank you. Hmm? That sounds like an excellent resource. Yeah, and uh, and, uh, so you said you're kind of interested in in homesteading. Um, I I know that one of the big barriers I've run into has been transportation when you're, and and we're talking about alternative techniques here. Um, How do you get to and from an urban area when you're living in a rural area? Has has that come up on on your Facebook group yet? Oh, I'm sorry, you were asking me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the technique, the um, alternative accommodation that I've found is you can hire somebody to take you into town once a week, uh, more if you need to. But it, you know, once a week is pretty doable, um, and mm-hmm. you can get all your groceries and your supplies and everything you need um, for the farm once a week. And um, really, if you could, if you plan it right, once a week is really all you need. <laughs> Yeah, there are so many things you can get delivered these days, too, even when you live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Jules. Do you have any tips or anything else you want to share with us? Um, if you go to my Facebook group, there's quite a bit. Uh, we've already had a discussion about green onions. Um if you're wanting to grow green onions, make sure they have a little bulb at the end because true green onions you can't grow from the root. Just a little yeah, tip about that. That's a good tip too. There's a I don't know about other areas, but there is a very prolific weed here that we refer to as a crazy onion, and it's it's horrible. It will completely take over, and it will sprout from just the tiniest little piece and once you get it in your yard it is very hard to get rid of really really hard so uh, that that's a good tip so uh, watch for the bulb yeah okay well thank you Joel and keep us you're posted. very welcome yeah I'd love to hear more about your journey so please keep us posted yeah for sure I sure will all right so, Allison, do we have any other hands? I uh, don't see any at the moment, Deborah. Okay. So, as you were talking, Marge, I, I was kind of chuckling to myself because uh, last weekend I was I I was out planting some thornless raspberries and blackberries that I got from a mail order nursery, and. I was planting them in my backyard, which is dominated by my chickens. And while I was planting them, I I was very careful to build these little fences around them. And a friend of mine came over today and she saw the little fences and she said, why do you have those little fences just randomly back here? And I said, oh, those are to keep the chickens out. And more importantly, to keep me from stomping all over my new little plants. So I've lost more than one beloved plant by uh, not having a good barrier around them. Not just because of my chickens, but because I I think I've done more damage than they have. 
But right, I and you can be a low fence. It doesn't have to be something high unless you have yeah. reasons for it to be high. Well, and I'm not an expert fence builder. I What I used are these little plastic panels I got from Amazon. Um, you just put them together with little rods. Uh, they're actually designed to be, uh, you can build little, they're meant to be little pet playpen fences. And they work really, really well in the yard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very happy with those. And for somebody like I am, I'm not a carpenter. It's it's nice and easy just to slap those together. Sure. So, March, what are some mistakes that, that you've learned from while working in your garden? Well, I was thinking about that since we talked in advance about uh, what we might discuss. And, and I don't know if um, I think of mistakes that, that have that much to do with, um, with being blind. I mean, it's, it's more, <laughs> more the, the trial and error that we do with, with gardening and learning over the years, especially if you move and are starting all over again. And, um, not necessarily planting the right things at the right time of year. That's certainly been a big thing that um, that I had to learn where, where I am. Um, I will say, though, that an area that I haven't felt as, as capable in is how to identify what insects might be causing a problem with something, um, because usually they aren't they aren't there um, at the at the time when I find that there's plant damage, and I'm pretty sure it's insect damage and not disease damage. Um, but I've I've certainly found myself um, baffled by what to do about um, insect problems um, because based on what insect is going at your plants. That is how you decide what to do about it, if you do anything about it at all. And so you, you kind of have to know or at least be able to, to guess. And so sometimes I've referred to books in, and tried to identify based on, you know, is, is the leaf being chewed? Is the, um, the fruit that the plant produces, um, the fruiting part being damaged? You know, what, what is the damage like? Um, and try to identify the insect pest from that direction, but uh, um, you know, find I'm not not always um, successful or able to come up with ways to to deal with that. Have have um, are there any things that you found, Deborah, that that have worked for you? Well, I I definitely have made my fair share of mistakes and redos and. Yeah, the insect damage and just identifying, you know, is that an insect? Uh, is that a, um, you know, environmental? It's, it's, it's a hard process. I'm, I'm in the Master Gardener program through the University of Idaho. And part of that, we have diagnostic clinics and, and sometimes it, it's really difficult, even when they send off a sample. Uh, it can be really difficult to figure out for sure uh, what what's going on. Um, I do have to admit that if I have something that just is failing to thrive, my tendency is to not mess with it. I'll just 
yank it out and put something there that's more resilient. Um, I'm, I guess I'm not a very patient gardener. Um, one of the big things I've learned the hard way is to not have really wide beds. That, that's been a real big um, issue for me over time. Um, I've found that I keep making my beds narrower and narrower and making, uh, having wide beds, I tend to get too many weeds that I overlook. And uh, it, it, it really is important to me to be able to get my hands all over the entire area and um, take good care of that and look at it regularly because these weeds grow quickly. <laughs> it can yeah. get yeah. out of control very quickly. And, oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and if I forget, you know, if I don't look at it at least a couple times a week, uh, it, it, you know, it can it can get kind of unsightly, and that can make for some problems with the neighbors down the road. So uh, that's that's one of the mistakes. Those are a couple of, of the mistakes I've made. Yeah, I think so, with- Alice. Oh, go ahead, I was just Tom. saying that, that with beds, I know the suggestion is to, to not have um, something really more than two feet because you can't reach um, much beyond two feet. So it has to be that at, at least in one direction so yeah, that you can and, adequately um, reach throughout the bed. Yeah, and, and being able to uh, get behind if you have big things up front and just being careful about how it's planted too I like your idea about uh, using something to make sure that it's all planted in a uniform way then you know what to expect and um, are less likely to accidentally pull it up too Mm -hmm. which I've been known to do Um, one year my granddaughter brought home this little cabbage plant that she was supposed to grow out. There was a contest and I accidentally pulled it up. (laughs) And I felt terrible. So yeah, it's really important to, uh, to know what you have and where you put it. So Allison, if anybody has a hand raised, you can just uh, interrupt and let us know. And anyone who wants to um, chime in with, thoughts or questions please do so okay i still don't see any hands right now but if i do i'll let you know okay sounds good okay i know one of the things that that i do to to um keep track of the plants i want is to use um plastic knives it used to be uh since i'm a braille user that uh Back in the day when Dymo tape actually stayed stuck to things, um, I would often um, braille up, you know, a label of maybe a a yellow pepper or something and um, put that in the the ground next to the plant. Say I had um, several yellow peppers and then maybe some orange ones, and I would want to mark which was which um, to know what to expect. I might braille label um with dymo tape and on just on plastic knives but these days um 
dyno tape doesn't stick anymore, at least any that I've found. Um, so I can't so much use it that way, but uh, I still use the, the plastic knives to, um, if I've um, planted seeds, uh, certain times I will um, stick a knife in actually every place I've planted certain seeds because I want to know if something comes up there that it's not a weed, um, that it is the, the plant that I want. Or um, just even in with a, a an already um, young plant that's grown, uh, like that cabbage plant of your granddaughter's, a, a plastic knife by that plant would have been helpful for you to, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> to know <laughs> that that was not something you okay. wanted to, to pull up. So it, it really, those knives are great for... Um, for letting you know uh, where things are that you want. Um, you can also use them to, to measure um, distances just as a, as a um, on the fly thing if, if you want. Um, I've just found in over the years, I, I use them in different ways. So whenever I'm you know at a wedding reception or something where they'll use plastic flatware, I'll collect little knives um, to bring home with me or I might even buy a package but um, I'll use them in herb pots um, to indicate you know over the winter that yeah this is the one I put mint in and that is if I can get a label on it um, you know for some perennial herbs that I might not be sure of in the spring um, it lets me know that that's what's supposed to be in this pot um, so the uh, the plastic knives are are uh, ever so helpful. Um, I have also used uh, river rock. I, I, my yard is old riverbed, and I have oodles of river stones, and I'll use river rock sometimes to mark something. Sure. And it also has the extra advantage of being able to fill it with my foot. But, um, yeah, anything to help. Mark something okay. is, is, is a really good idea. Sounds like we have the yeah, dogs I, talking to us there. I know. I was I was trying to find them, but I think they've muted. But uh, we do have okay. a hand raised now. So uh, do you want to take that one, Deborah? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay Jewel has her hand raised. Hi, uh, me again, Jewel. Um, Hi. So. For potted plants, I don't know how well this would work for beds and like gardens that are in the ground. Um, for potted plants, what I've done in the past is I get those shaped beads and charms, like snowflakes and flowers and such, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. buttons. Um, buttons are really useful for it. And then I attach, the, I string it and I attach it to a stick, just wrap it around the stick and tie it off. And then I put the stick in the pot, the charm hangs over the side, and I have a key that says snowflake is this plant and flower is this plant. And, you know, that way, if I forget, um, I can always look at the key. That's a great idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Since, since Dymotape, for us Braille users, Dymotape doesn't stick anymore. So if you have, especially if you have that key letting you know um, what was what, that would be the way to, to tell your pots. So, yeah, very good idea. And that does remind me many years ago, I was growing a lot of container plants, and I got those little plastic stakes that come in like pony packs with the label on them. Yeah. The thin little plastic thing. 
And I was able to braille on those with my brailler. It probably wasn't very good for my brailler, but I did. And I did something similar. I put numbers. I just brailled a number on one of those and stuck it in the pot and had a key telling me what numbers represented what plants. And um, again, I don't know that that was really a good thing for my brailler, but I do still have the same brailler. That was a lot of years ago. But um, there, it, the plastic is pretty thin, and it held up to the water really well, too. Yeah, that's the thing. Any labeling that you do has to be able to hold up to the elements. And uh, that's one thing that we have trouble with here because some of the citrus trees uh, that are potted and even the in-ground ones we try to label so that other people can tell what they are. And the print just dies, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. They just do not hold up. Um, I don't know what the pros use for like such and such botanical garden where they have things very properly labeled and all, but uh, I know here print just doesn't hold up to the elements. Well, um, I I know that we're all very individual as as gardeners too. Uh, I personally have gotten to where I don't like anything with the thorn. I ripped out my roses this year because I was done ripping up my hands even though I love roses I I finally decided no I'm I'm done with that how are you with thorns oh gosh you're you're growing citrus so I imagine you're dealing with some thorns yes and I don't know if you've ever seen an Australian finger lime um it's mostly thorns that's about all it is um i deal with them very carefully it's it is really um quite challenging in in um i approach them really carefully of course you can't do a lot with gloves because too much um feeling is is cut off and you can't tell what you're doing um Mm -hmm. some some of the trees don't have them in theory citrus are supposed to as they get to be more adult they're supposed to not um grow their thorns so much Um, and with some that proves true and others not so much they stay thorny so um I will confess that I do not do the pruning on the citrus um, because it's it, it really is um, a, a thorn world with, with most of them. But when I'm watering or weeding in, in pots, I make sure I have a hat on, um, sunglasses, um, and, and I'm just pretty, pretty careful. Um, that's that's about the best I can say, and and in picking fruit again, just being um, slow in in approach and uh, slow in looking for things, and so that if you get poked, it's it, it's at least not severe. But um, true, we do blackberries also, and they are thornless, and uh, so citrus is the only thing that that we grow that that does have thorns. Yeah, well, I. My hat's off to you because that, even just picking the citrus, sounds like a painful activity to me. But, uh, you know, your heart's really in it. And yeah. that yeah. that's what, what matters. You find the way. Um, I, you know, on, on another topic, 
I also was thinking about how, you know, we're often thinking about as blind people, how we are requesting accommodations for ourselves. When I think about my yard, I, I have some very particular things I want to do. For example, I love clover and I plant clover. I don't like grass. Mm-hmm. And I get upset about grass coming in my yard, which is kind of the opposite of most sighted people I know. And when we garden, um, there is a component of having to respect the visual world around us, too. So how much of that is a factor for you when you're gardening uh, and and thinking about the sighted people who will be you know, neighbors and others who will be looking at the garden. Well, for me, um, where where we are, people don't they they have to come to um, the the sort of back part of the house to even see into the backyard. It's not very visible. Um, what's out in front are. Um, blueberry plants and and some of the citrus trees and palms and some bananas and all of that is pretty well kept up um we we do um we do that we do have grass um not really willingly it's sort of here and we haven't figured out a way to get rid of it yet um uh i don't think about that a whole lot um in that i i'm really happy if someone wants to see my garden because hardly ever anybody does um i've had a couple this year and it's been really fun um i don't i i find my obsession with gardening a very solitary um socially isolated activity (laughs) so um I don't, I don't have a lot of, there are neighbors, you know, adjacent neighbors and they see what's in the yard, but they don't say much other than to compliment or to ask for some citrus. So, um, uh, I don't, I don't, maybe you're in a kind of location where you're a lot more sort of in the public eye than, uh, than we are. Well, I'm, I'm in a location where I have a lot of freedom, uh, but I've also tried to be aware of the sighted world around me, too, and just the effort of, of being a good neighbor. And I yeah. think I I yeah. have done a better job at sometimes than others. Um, I'm forever changing. Most of my gardening is in my front yard. Uh, mm. The chickens pretty much have the backyard. And that's really visible so i i i i put it it, it's somewhat of a factor for me it's not my number one factor but it is something that i i have to remind myself of that you know even if something does not bother me it might bother somebody who can see and i i need to be respectful of that too and sometimes i'm like I said, I'm better at that than others. <laughs> right now, sure. my yard isn't looking too great because I'm starting all over again, and I've ripped a lot of stuff out and have a lot of bare ground, and um, it's slowly going to fill in, but it's going to look a little rough for a while. 
Yeah, I think probably you have some neighbors whose yards look somewhat similar. I think sometimes we can we can be a little hard on ourselves too about things like that. But uh, you know, it's around here. A lot of people hire um, yard work to be done. They don't do it themselves. Um, and they sort of do the basics to get by um, and to look presentable and don't do much um, beyond that. And so our yard is, is in front. What's seen the most is certainly more unique because it's more focused on things that are edible um, than, than not. So, I mean, all around the house when we moved in was all this useless shrubbery. It's now all useful blueberry plants. I wish I could grow blueberries here. <laughs> yes, do we have a do we have a hand? Yeah, uh, yeah. Excuse me for interrupting. We do have two oh, raised hands. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, go for it. Okay. Thanks, uh, Gudrun. You can unmute. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good. <clears throat> well, one thing. Um, maybe you have covered this already. I came in late, but um, you know, when you buy ice cream, your Eskimo bars, you know, with the flat uh, p- pins. They're good oh, yeah, for. Oh, yeah. They're. They, I used to use that in the yard, and uh, you know, for to to mark things and and so forth. And uh, <clears throat> and and I'm I'm hoping. I've seen here uh, advertised on on one of those uh, blind ad lists the mini slate. You know, the eight uh, cell mini slate mm-hmm. uh, labeling that comes with four lines with rubber bands and uh, safety pins. That maybe they could be used because they they should st- you know plastic labels should stand up to the elements, and especially actually if uh, if they have holes in them and you can uh, affix them and don't take the backing off because that makes yes, them yes. stronger and thicker. Yes, yes. So, Good idea. Uh, yeah. So the, and one one thing, what do you guys do? Uh, to keep track of, you know, the, the, the weeds, the, the weed bucket, you know, like I find that if I start weeding and if I move away from it, I have trouble. Now, where, where did that bucket go? Where did that weed, you know, I mean, do you drag it after you or what do you do? We were just chuckling about that earlier. I, I just did that not too long ago and had to find Paul Ira to find it. Oh, you called you called with a really good. Yeah, Joe called with a good tip, and that was to get a suitcase indicator, and you can put it on your bucket. Yeah, and what does that what does what does that do? Does that beep at you? She said you you whistle or make a sound, and it will it will beep at you apparently, and you know where it is. Oh, perfect! Where do where do you get that? I know. Oh, it sounds like sounds we have like an echo, echo going on. Oh, I'm yes, yes. Her on my eye. Yeah, yeah. So, the, you have can I, a really bad echo. Really yeah, bad. everybody's yeah. starting. Yeah. We can't understand you at all. So, what are you doing? <clears throat> all right. Do right. we have the echo? Nope, no, it's not. No. Everybody's echoing. Hello. Okay. I don't better. know. I think I must have pushed the off. Okay. Button. Let me. Okay. I think we're good. Yeah, anyway. We're... I... Hello? 
All right. All right. It, it sounds, sounds like, like we got, got rid of the echo. echo. No. no. Yeah, not it's at still all. echoing. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Everybody's echoing. See, so it's somebody is feeding back through, through who shouldn't, shouldn't be, who be, should be should muted. Be muted. Maybe, Maybe Allison, Allison tried muting, muting everybody, everybody for a minute. For a minute. Yeah, I, yeah, I can do I that. Can do Hang that. on, Hang a second. Okay. Okay, maybe that helped, I hope. All right, can you hear me? Yeah, that. Yeah, I hear you. Can you? Okay, okay. We're, mm-hmm. we're back. Okay. okay, so the suitcase indicator, um, Jewel did not tell us where we can get those. So if you're still out there, let us know, Jewel. Uh, I'm assuming that something that could be purchased from one of the vendors, uh, like maybe Blind Mice Mart or... Uh, one of the vendors who has products for people who are blind. Um, Actually, I've never used one. Yeah, they're very common for people who are traveling a lot um, to find their luggage on, like, the luggage cart. So, or, like, the conveyor belt. Um, So, you can find them on Amazon for one one place. Um, You can find them in a lot of places that sell luggage, too. Excellent. That was a really good tip. Thank you, Jewel. And um, did you did we have another hand raised? Y- yes, we do. Yes, we do. Deborah, uh, Roberta has her hand raised. So, Roberta, oh, there. Um, wonderful information. Uh, your echo was pretty bad. And um, what was it you suggested for keeping track of the trash bucket, the weed basket? And I have this, a couple of other this, ideas. Okay, this came from Jewel, and that was a suitcase indicator that emits an audio sound. Apparently you make a... Jewel, do you want to explain that if you're still on? Okay. Uh, Sure. Okay, so these luggage indicators, um, some of them are keychains. Some of them are just, like, stickered. um, And others are just, like, uh, ones that you might, like, uh, glue to something. Like, to a a stake. um, Or to a tool. And um, you just... Add them to your tool or your basket or whatever, and um, then it, it, some of them use an app. Some of them use a, a little fob, like you would like you would use to indicate where your car is, to lock your car. And then there are some out there that use a whistle as well. Excellent. Okay. So you, uh, wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So um, Roberta, and then, you have some tips for us. Well, one thing because I have the same problem with my hand trowel. And so I tied a shoelace to, through the hole of the hand trowel and put a loop in it, and I just tied around my hold it, put it through my wrist. Good idea. So then I went over, is, like, where yeah. is that hand trowel? Um, <laughs> you can't lose it. Um, and the other thing yeah. I found very, very useful is a product called Preen. It's spelled P as in Paul, R as in Robert, double E as in Edward, Ed, e, N as in Nancy, Preen. So if you're not averse to using different some kinds of chemicals it this is a product that prevents seeds from germinating so once you get the adult weeds out of your garden you can put this it's like a material that's the consistency of cornmeal and you just sprinkle it around on the dirt and then water it in or do it right before it rains and it prevents seed weed seeds from germinating and i've experimented with it i had a 
uh, area that I was gardening that was nine four by four squares, four foot by four foot squares. And I did the preen on two and I left two without preen. And it was like night and day. One was just covered in weeds. And the one that had the preen was like, oh, it's like someone kept it all clean. It was really amazing. So I really recommend that product. Yeah, it's a pre-emergent. You just have to be careful that you have everything sprouted that you want sprouted because it will prevent your vegetable or flower seeds from sprouting too. But right, yeah, you don't. Right, pre-emergence is good. Good product. Yeah, you don't want to put it down on anything until it has at least a couple of leaves on it. Um, but. But it does, it prevents anything, like I have a bed that's full of um, sedum, and I just sprinkle it all around the outside, around the edges of all the sedum that are growing, and I just, it's wonderful. It's just, helps keep it it's a miracle product. <laughs> Those are really good tips. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, especially if you know yeah. that you've got weeds that do come from seeds. So many of ours mm-hmm. um, are just, you know, perennially there. Um and are, are coming from root structures, but this, yeah, that's probably that product is probably corn gluten meal. You know, the the other thing is having a good mulch can help prevent weeds too. But the problem is finding a mulch that is kind to the hands. Uh, I have experimented with different mulches over time and. When you're getting your hands right in there without gloves on to weed, you want a nice, soft mulch. And um, I've lately, I've um, I've tried, I've been using uh, coffee grounds from uh, Starbucks. You can get, they give it away, huge bags of it. I live in an area with really alkaline soil, so... The coffee grounds are also kind of nice to help acidify a little bit. I don't know how it would work in an area that uh, has real acidic soil, but it works well here, and the worms love it. Uh, So I'm just curious to hear, what are people using for mulch? What what do you use, Marge? Do you use mulch? I will do um, some with... um around individual plants with compost and mulching mm-hmm. in that way, um, you know, as the, as the season um, goes on. But you're right that some of that mulch is such big um, pieces. Um, and I honestly, I tend to let the plants sort of um, grow big enough and provide their own shading and what we do a lot of not in the raised beds but in our in-ground spaces is put down the landscaping fabric that water goes through because Mm -hmm. it is a weed barrier and um, it's just the weeding gets to be too much um, otherwise and so that will go down and plant through that and then um, you know I don't always do put down any mulch on top of that i wait for the the plants to um to shade themselves now that's not as good in terms of holding in moisture um i will admit but um it's 
you know, the mulching can get expensive too. I mean, it's a, it's, it's kind of trade-offs and there are certain areas where like a big rosemary plant, you know, I'll put, put mulch around it. Um, but for the, the raised beds and most other areas, I'm either uh, just using compost or um, keeping the weeds back with the landscaping fabric. I used to use newspaper to mulch, like folded mm-hmm. up newspaper, but I found that it it absorbs so much wa- of the water that I'd be wanting to water the plants with. Um, it's not bad as mulch, but um, and it also provided a good a good way to boundary things. Um, you could do a nice long run of newspaper, and you had a good firm um, boundary. But it was kind of um, Oh, just a you know, time-consuming to fold all that newspaper up and make a thick layer of it. So I kind of quit and moved away from doing that over time. I used to use back when we would get Braille magazine. Oh I yeah, would use the Braille mag. They I made a too. really nice mulch. Yeah, yeah. I miss those. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I did that too. <laughs> yeah, they're great, but no more. Well, there are now. people still getting them, though, and you could say send them to me instead of to the landfill, you know. That is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who would save me her, her magazines for a while. <laughs> well, we have about five minutes left. Do we have any other hands raised? Anybody else who wants to contribute? Allison, see. are we... I don't see any hens raised at the moment. Okay. It's probably going to be a last call here. If anyone wants to chime in with a comment or a question, now's the time. All um, right. right. So, uh, can, uh, can I ask one last thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, when you use the Braille magazine, what do you? So, you take them out. You take the staples out, and then do you do you take each um, each sheet and fold, and then fold another one? You know, like half. You know, overlapping a little bit, and make a long. You might long stack them a little, them a little bit. Okay. Or you just stack them. You don't fold them or anything. Just stack the lead, the the. Depends on the area, area you want to do. do. Okay. Well, but I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't cover the you wouldn't cover the whole uh, surface of it, would you? Or, or I mean, like if you have a bed, a raised bed, say, with plants. No, I'd have the plants in and, and cover the cover area, area, not planting. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Okay. Yeah, that answers my question. <laughs> Yeah, we're still getting that little bit of echo there, but yeah, that's yeah, a I good think that was question. Her phone so yeah, we did. I, when I did it, it like Marge said, it depended on the area. If I had an area that I used primarily as a walkway, I would just I wouldn't even bother taking the staples out. I would just put the whole magazine. I'd I'd open it up and put. Um, put it face down and um, have the whole magazine there and used it as a walkway, a, oh, yeah. a row of them as a rough walkway. Um, but in other areas, I would just rip pages out and, like you said, overlap. And it, it did make a really nice weed barrier. And even when I 
used the entire magazine, that whole thing would get decomposed within a year. It, yeah, it was it gone. Mm-hmm. You, you wouldn't even know it was ever there. It, it yeah. um, The worms loved it. Mm. All right. Well, I think we're, we're about at the point where we can um, wrap up here. So, Marge, do you have any last thoughts before we say goodbye? Well, I wanted to ask you, Deborah, with your, your planting and what you're doing, what are you hoping to eat first uh, from all your garden ventures this, this spring? Well, um, I've been eating rhubarb. Uh-huh. I love rhubarb. Yeah, my rhubarb is up. It's beautiful. Um, I have some kale that should be coming on pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Today I just planted some alpine strawberries by my front door. I put them there so they're easy to reach down and grab a couple. Oh, nice. So um, I am going more towards the small fruits this year and not really planting um, the vegetables this year because I couldn't even give them away. People were saying, go away from me. (laughs) I was trying to get rid of vegetables (laughs) last year. So this year I'm concentrating on fruit. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, next month we'll be talking about chickens unless yes. something changes. And um, please let me know if you have any questions or comments. It's acb.home.garden.agriculture at gmail.com. And it's so nice to have Marge co-facilitating um, it, I do want to thank Desiree for streaming and Allison, thank you so much for do, being our Zoom host today. Yes, and thank you. All of you. Oh, you're welcome. Happy, happy gardening. And uh, I do appreciate everybody who called in today. Thank you, all of you, for calling in and providing your insights, too. We all learn from each other. All right. Okay. We'll talk again next next week or next month not next week okay Okay. goodbye